Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I am Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. And, you know, Craig, I, I have to break some news to you. And, Shoot. And I think you're going to be disappointed. Cause Dude, anytime you break news, I'm always disappointed, so... Hey, sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it can be good news. But what shock me is when you say I got good news, and then I go, "Oh wow, you're kidding." True. That's when I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> true. I would probably so, have a better way to phrase it if it was good news. It was good news for me, but see, I'm saying I have to break something to you because it was bad news for you. Because um, for yeah. well, nobody really knows because they weren't there with us. But Craig, after the game, Craig had to leave Ann Arbor right away. So after the game, I stuck around for a little while, uh, you know, doing a couple things. But also I hate getting right into traffic right after the game. But our man, uh, Rashawn Reeves, and then uh, somebody working with his blueprint show now, uh, Rocky, if you haven't uh, seen her or heard her in any of his stuff, they were there and they were in doing the media stuff. Mm -hmm. So I hung around. uh, They got out. We were talking a little bit. I got a chance to meet uh, Jamark Woods, uh, nice. who we had on the show. But I also met uh, Kurt Taylor and Kurt Taylor Sr. Okay. And we had our interview with uh, both those guys. Yeah, with both of them. So yeah. you, you headed out of town and you missed out uh, meeting a couple guys. It was yeah. nice uh, being able to chat a little bit. Uh, I know this is the part where I, I have to break it to you and I feel like you're going to be disappointed but i uh meaning kurt taylor's dad he's the guy um for any of you who don't know and have seen those shirts hard work is undefeated what a great what an awesome tagline that's just that's it's such a great saying isn't it yeah i love it and uh guess what i'm currently wearing right now you got one of his shirts didn't I, you i got one of his shirts oh man <laughs> Yep, yep. I got one uh, of his shirts. You you missed out, Craig. Mr. Taylor Seniors can ha- he owes me a shirt. You owe me a shirt. I've been looking for you all morning that Saturday. Yeah, we were looking for him. That is true. We we were there early. Hopefully, he's listening to the show. But yeah, he owes me a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we were looking for him though. Uh, Rashawn, we were trying to catch up with Sean. Rashawn said that. Uh, Kurt Taylor's dad was down there kind of looking, keeping an eye open for us and everything. And we were in the same area. He was walking around selling some of his shirts. We were looking for him. Yeah. Our, our paths didn't cross, but I did get to catch him afterwards. And, um, and it is awesome. And definitely repping his shirt right now. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, because actually I'm already wearing it. Somebody's asked me where to get them. Uh, you can find those on hardworkisundefeated.net. He has those shirts uh, trademarked on there, and he's got uh, the shirts for sale and everything. Awesome, awesome shirts. Really cool. Heard that the uh, players are going to be having some at some point, if I'm not mistaken, or some of them may already have some. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, very cool. Got the shirt. Going to be repping it. Depending, I didn't have my Blue Brothers shirt 
because I was missing no. it. And so if I can still not find it before the Air Force game, I might just have to wear the hard work is undefeated shirt then. Yeah, we might have to be the the hard work is undefeated sportscast. Hard work is undefeated so, brothers. Yeah, something like that. So, but what a great family. I mean, he I mean, what a great dad he is. What a great inspiration he is to his kid, isn't he? Man. Oh yeah. It's just wonderful. So, you know, the next thing we need is just to see Kurt Taylor in some of these games. So, you can see him run the ball. That'd be great. So we got, you know, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll be excited for that. We'll we'll see him on the field sometime, and uh, definitely yep. want to see what he's got going because he definitely puts in the hard work. So it'll be awesome to see that pay off and everything. Up here from Georgia in Ann Arbor. So, well, that's a little bit of an intro, but we've got tons to talk about today. We've got voicemail to touch base on, too. So we will go ahead and uh, jump into the football conversation here coming on up. Okay, so... We have a voicemail, and I want to make sure before I forget anything, because I know I'm all, uh, my mind goes all over the place sometimes, I want to get that going and play that here for you guys. So let's go ahead and turn to the voicemail. Okay. Well, apparently I'm going to have to cut this out because why are you not just deciding to work now? That's awesome. <sighs> All right, let's try this again. Guys, it's uh, Kirby at MGoKirby on Twitter. So uh, I've just uh, taken a long walk after the game, Try to get process what I just saw. Uh, that was the sloppiest, most... I don't even have the words for what that game was. Uh, I really don't know what happened between last Saturday and today. Uh, it's not that... I, I really don't think that it was because Florida was that bad. I Maybe we had eight months to prepare for Florida and we only prepared for Cincinnati for one week, and that was the difference. I, I hope not, because today what I saw out there on the field was we won, and that's great. But what what that was was just bad. I mean, there were some good things. It wasn't all bad. The, the defense played well in the first quarter and the last quarter. But so many mistakes and so many mental errors and bad calls and not playing better than the refs and I that's I, I really don't have any more more to say about it. I just I hope we get our act together before next Saturday because Air Force is a real team, like for real. They they make me nervous before today. Now. I, I, uh, I'm not jumping off a cliff or anything, but 
we need to get our act together. That's all I can say. Thanks, guys. Go Blue. It's kind of the harsh reality of what it was. So a lot of yeah. people voicing their opinion. And uh, you and I, actually kind of a rare, rare thing, I thought, had uh, access to Twitter during the game. And we so did. You yeah. see firsthand. First right. Yeah, and you and I got to see this game. Both kept sitting next to each other, got to observe the game. It's a, you know, like, like I said, you and I are both agree. Watching the game live when you're at the stadium and watching it on TV is much different. It really is. You get to see the whole field. You get to see what's going on. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, you, like he said, he's absolutely right. It wasn't the best, wasn't a good, a great game by us. It wasn't. So, no, not at all. And we will be touching base. Oh, well, I shouldn't say yeah. not at all, I guess. But we will be touching base on everything he brought up. Uh, we appreciate yeah. the call, Kirby. Uh, again, if anybody wants to call in, uh, we, uh, Greg and I actually were kind of discussing it here. Just with the way things work with the weekends, most likely the way we'll do recording is if it's a home game, since we will be at most, if not all the home games, we will most likely be recording Sunday nights because we'll be busy all day Saturday. So we'll try recording Sunday nights. If it's an away game and we'll be watching on TV, most likely, because I don't think we're going to be making any road trips this season, but if it's an away game, we'll probably do recording then Saturday nights. So if you want to get your voicemails in best thing to do easiest and best default to do is just call after the game on game day and we'll get those in uh, enough time to include in the episode. Just a little uh, FYI there for you guys. So thanks again for the call. Um, also, real quick, I'll put in the pitch. If you guys haven't seen, it's not yet on the website, but it's on our YouTube. We caught up with some Michigan fans and Cincinnati fans before the game Saturday and put something on YouTube for that. Did you watch that, Craig? I did. It was really cool. It's good to see you've got some Cincinnati fans, so that was really good. They were really cool, I have to admit. Yeah, cool. it, it was pretty funny. You guys will have to watch uh, and definitely watch until the end because there was a pretty hilarious moment there with some Cincinnati fans at the end of that little video. So yeah. we, we had a good time with that. And we'll in our preview episode for the Air Force game, we'll have some new stuff and uh, maybe some new information on where we'll be for the game Saturday and things like that. So, all right. Off of the announcements part, I guess I would say, and we're going into the breakdown of the game. Not the greatest episode for us to find ourselves in. No, I even said on Twitter, this is probably, I would say, we've been doing this for three years, haven't we, Caleb? We're about three years in this. Yeah, we're, we're, go, we're full into our third year. This is the beginning of our third year. Yeah. And we got fans growing, and I would have to say that this is probably one of the toughest sportscast programs to tackle, this you and I, on this one. <laughs> probably because there's so much into this and so much that you and I need to kind of cover. And Either way, we might get people that will disagree with us, and then there might be people that agree with us. Either way, we're going to try to break this down as much as we can because we were there. We absolutely saw the game. I will say this, though. Uh, let me get one thing out of 
kind of out of the way first. All right. And that is, look, I, one of the best, I think a, a great, the Grant Newsom is it a great player for Michigan. He hurt himself. So he's an offensive lineman. He's not playing, but you know what? I saw his Twitter and he's not wrong at the fact that the Michigan fans did boo, but I need, he needs to understand something. And I think the Michigan fans need to understand something on when that boo was happening. And he had some people respond to him and they were wrong too. Look, nobody in that entire crowd is booing the players. I, they were booing the play calls <laughs> and that's a much different set of things and what's going on. And I need that. I need for the Michigan fans to be clear about that. We were actually booing the play calls because, you know, you had third and longs and you were literally doing, you know, short cuts and little cross patterns and things like that were short, very short. But uh, I just wanted to make that clear and kind of end that. But I don't know. What were your thoughts on that when you saw that? I'm glad that you brought that up because I may have not gotten it to myself, uh, to it myself because I didn't have it on my list of things to talk about. But that's a very good thing to address. I might disagree with you, actually, uh, to a certain extent. I think most people were booing the play calls. I personally don't boo. It takes a lot for me to boo at a college game because they're college players. Um, If I Mm -hmm. do boo, it'll probably be at coaching and things like that. Yes, I mean, I was not there at the... uh, horrible times that we had with Rich Rod and at the end of hoax time there, there may have been a chance with that. And I do think you're right where most people are not booing the players. They're booing the play calls or things like that, but it's still not a good thing. But I I do want to say I'm fairly certain that there were at least some people out there might be a small number, but some of them who are booing space specifically. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, like from the thing from the things that you read on Twitter, you can only imagine that that was yep. some people's reactions, while other people were reacting in completely other inappropriate ways. But right, uh, besides the point, yes, I think it was booing uh, the play calls and things like that. But I don't like booing in general with college sports because, Not me either. and I don't know if you saw somebody brought it up. Or if they didn't bring it up, maybe I thought of it on my own. But I, I thought I saw somebody say it. Imagine the recruits that were at that game. Yeah. yeah. How okay? Good point. It's one thing to think of. Yeah, sweet. We're going to be in a, a stadium with a hundred and ten plus thousand people cheering us on, and then it's like, well, wait, we're going to be in a stadium with possibly a hundred and ten thousand plus people booing at us. Like, right? Let that sink in people and Mm -hmm. and that will make a difference that can affect recruits because i mean why how how do you enjoy that for being your fan base where they're booing you and this is the home opener game for michigan beginning of the season and they're already booing Uh, yeah sure some of them are maybe going to understand the context of what's going on chances are most of them won't and they'll just be turned off by that so yep. Yep. fans really do need to think about that. Now, okay, we, you and I were yelling, Craig. We were yelling at oh. um, uh, for the players against some of the play calls. We were yelling against the ref. Yelling is completely a different thing. 
and we were yelling yeah. our our uh, acceptance and excitement, but we were also yelling our frustrations because everybody's passionate and they're really into it. But that is far from okay, unless you get yeah. into really vulgar and disgraceful things to say. That's far from booing because yeah. that that makes a loud statement for the people on the field, players, coaches, or recruits. So I, w- I wanted to put that out there and say that and everything that I just think that it's poor taste all around to boo it all, unless you are in a complete detrimental collapse, which we <laughs> right. are far from right. things did not look right. good. Like Kirby said, like we we're going to say, but I don't think anything really justified, really justified any kind of booing. Yeah, and and I will echo, and Caleb will be right there with me. Well, I had to leave. I had to leave right when the game ended, so I walked out, and Caleb was with me. He stayed behind, so I was walking out. And I will say this: the Michigan fan base leaving that game was pretty interesting because I've never seen a bunch of fans, and and I'm talking about the guy, the people that who work the gates. We're literally talking back to each other, saying, you you all are acting like that we lost the game. Everybody walking out of there, I ain't kidding you, did, did really said nothing. It was like somber. It was quiet. And the people working there were actually trying to lift us up. And you'd think we lost the game. We didn't. And that tells you a lot about how we're, how we're going to talk about this game and where it's leading and where this fan base sees it. I know where I'm going to go with it. And I think I'm going to try to echo what they mean and why they walked out of there in a way. It's like what Kirby brought up on the voicemail. He knew it was win. it's a win and I'm glad and we're two and oh, but it certainly wasn't a good win. <laughs> and that's how the fan base acted in, during the game. They booed. But they walked out of there going, not feeling good about it. So, Yeah. And I guess we'll just go ahead and dive straight into it and plow through everything that we have to say about it. And he, and he said it well enough, too. I don't see how you go from the performance that we had last week against the, what, two out of the past three years? I don't know. They've done it several years now where they have been the SEC East division champions uh, going to their conference title game, playing that SEC team with their level of athletes and performing the way that we did in that game to coming home and having that kind of a performance against a team like Cincinnati, which I'll have other things to back up. The reason why people are bothered by it, which is justified. Yeah. Right. And the butterflies are gone. Right. Yeah. The, the whole yeah. starting the season, getting ready to play your heck. We even played at one of the biggest stadiums in the country in Jerry's world. <laughs> and we beat Florida and yet you're coming back to Michigan. And it seemed like we had more butterflies than we did that game. So yeah, absolutely. pretty interesting. Yeah. And there's there's going to be a lot to be able to say about this, so <laughs> I, I almost don't even know where to start. I Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? 
go ahead and then I'll kind of try to work my way into this. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So people are kind of, are going to take the standpoint of, okay, yeah, there were some problems. There were some mistakes. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad, but, and again, we didn't lose, but let's look at this because we made these comparisons when we played against Florida and we were just like, look, they only scored three offensive points. Like we gave them a lot of crap about that. Well, yeah. if you want to look at Michigan this week, Michigan only scored 20 points. 20 offensive Pretty points much. this week against right. Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pro- that's that can be very problematic cuz then uh, I mean if you really want to do offensive points against offensive points and I I know, you know, defensive scores still matter. Um mm-hmm. but that's 20 to 14. Like yep. that article said last week, basically Michigan got by Cincinnati. Uh, that that's yeah. the way that this looks and this appears. And I give props to Cincinnati. They did. Mm-hmm. They came in. They came to play. They came to compete and compete. They did. And Michigan yeah. still handled them, but that was mainly because of the defense. But give props yep. to Cincinnati. Um, I mean, it was still a decent margin of victory. But and I tweeted out about this during the game. The Cincinnati fans were showing more heart and passion than the Michigan fans at certain points, because it felt like a loss, not, not necessarily at the end of the game, but during uh, certain points of that game, it felt like a loss. It was like a one small section, like maybe two to three to four rows of Cincinnati fans. And they were way out cheering the Michigan fans. Yeah, it was discouraging. It was the listener, and they were by us. They were kind of off to the right, but that yeah, they were kind of close to us, and we can hear them. They were loud. Yeah, and they were cheering at everything. At first, we were just like, "Wow, congratulations, you guys have a first down." Well, guess what? Then they started getting more first downs. Then they started going yeah. down the field. Then there was that turnover, which led to their first seven points. Yeah, and yeah. then at halftime, they were only down seventeen to seven, and then it wound up being seventeen to fourteen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was it, like if you watched uh, some of the Cincinnati fans and what they said in the video that we did, they were saying that it was going to be a game, and it was a game. And that's what was frustrating for Michigan fans was because it shouldn't have been a game. It should not have been that close at all at any point whatsoever. So, like I said, offensively speaking, this was only a 20-14 win. Cause yeah, you got, and you're talking – yeah, and you're talking twenty-one point. Yeah, twenty-one points in the past two games have been given up to the other team. That's a lot of points <laughs> on turnovers. Yeah, and we're talking about turnovers that are happening on what did we say last week? Turnovers that are happening at the worst times. So, absolutely, yeah. and we're. Worst part of the field, too. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about on the better side. I'm talking about on the worst side that resulted in touchdowns or resulting in seven points. So, Yeah, and I'll keep going here with some of the really ugly stuff to really kind of put it in perspective for people. So we talked about essentially, you know, 20, only 20 offensive points being scored. Still, like, shaking my head at that. But uh, yeah. here, here are some things, because we were, we were talking about 
Cincinnati's performance against Austin Pay last week mm-hmm. and why we thought Michigan was going to run away with this game because of how Cincinnati performed against Austin Pay. Well, okay, let's look at this. Comparing then how Michigan performed against Cincinnati at home, home game for Michigan, and Austin Pay went on the road to Cincinnati, let's compare how both teams competed against Cincinnati. Michigan defense only allowed 200 total yards against Cincinnati. Austin Pay, their defense only allowed 248 yards. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the third-ranked defense in the country, still did a heck of a job, but they only did 48 yards better than Austin Pay against Cincinnati. Tell me, does that make sense? No. Yes. Okay, so let me continue with some of these numbers. I've got a few more numbers here. Uh, Time of possession. Michigan allowed Cincinnati to have the ball 29 minutes and 33 seconds. Austin Pay only allowed Cincinnati to hold on to the ball for just over 22 minutes. Wow. All right, first downs. Michigan got 16 first downs in this game and only allowed Cincinnati to get 13. Yep. Against the same team, Austin Pay on the road got 20 first downs and allowed 15. Yeah, and you're making this look bad. <laughs> Here's rushing. Michigan against Cincinnati got 193 rushing yards. Austin Pay versus Cincinnati got 224 rushing yards. Yeah. They ru- they rushed they rushed 60 times though. Yeah, they focus more on the rushing game. Yes, that that is true. That is true. But we are talking about a different level of athlete. You cannot tell me that Austin Pay has the same level of athlete that Michigan does. Right. So there should be a difference here. Between the difference of the athletes up front on the line blocking for these athletic running backs, which there was some great production by some of our running backs, but there's still that's still a rough number to be looking at. And then how many um, quarters that the we were able to shut out Cincinnati? There were two quarters that Cincinnati didn't score any points in, and Austin Pay was able to shut them out one quarter. Right. I mean yep. that for this being and and see this is this is the thing that's difficult and tough. And I'm not like saying that our defense was absolutely terrible, but it's a home game. A team that just handled Florida amazingly the week before, and mm-hmm. you have these compares comparison in these numbers, and it just looks poor and it looks bad, especially for the third ranked defense in the country. Right. Yeah, and you're talking about the defensive line weren't great. I mean, they weren't like they were against Florida. They weren't. Um but you know, like there were some penalties. There are things that are literally some dumb penalties on the defensive line. So, and, you know, you, I think you're going to probably talk about that. But you're right. If you look at the time of, time of possession, they're about equal, okay, at 30 minutes apiece. Yeah. Now, if you just – if you never watched that game and you saw that, you would say, okay, they're even. Each defense are the same when it shouldn't be, Right. But the problem with that is there's a reason why Cincinnati had the ball for 30 minutes. And we all know what that was is because the offense of line offense stuttered or they literally could not sustain 
any drives. Yep. So the defense kept coming back out for Michigan. And, yeah, trust me, I think we all were excited when the defense would come back out because we knew we could probably stop them. But there were moments in time where you and I would say they're going to have times where they're they're young and they're going to get tired. <laughs> they got a little bit tired and maybe a little lax daysical. But, you know, you're talking 30 minutes that Cincinnati – Cincinnati had the ball. That means that the Cincinnati had more sustainable drives on the offensive line than Michigan should have had. We should have had more, but we didn't. Yeah. Now, something that has to be mentioned about the time of possession, and this has a little bit to do with it, is that Michigan had the two pick sixes. So that completely kept the, our offense off the field, like essentially took two drives away from them. But it's not going to make – that huge of a difference that the time of possession should have been the same. Right. So that was uh, just an, another difficult attribute of that game. So um, hmm, to where to go to next. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of this is ragging on the defense, even though like we've already focused and said that this, the defense perf- actually performed well. And a lot of it was with the offense. But some other things to kind of point out and mention, and Craig, you and I were talking about this when we were sitting there next to each other. The defense got lucky quite a bit. Oh, yeah, very much so. In fact, the best part of the whole game was the linebackers. Linebackers performed very well. I mean, Devin Bush, man, looked great. Um he was all over the field. Anytime he act, this defense looked much different when he gets out there. He just does. He's a game changer. He's probably going to be the best defensive guy out there, you know, besides Gary. Devin Bush is just a monster and motor. So that's a great thing that Michigan and Michigan fans can take away from that game is get that guy out there, get him to play as much as he can, and uh, good things happen. So, yeah. And, and so. I'll get to some of the good things that we can talk about the defense here because I feel like I'm really riding them really hard and, you know, making a mess of things. But to point out a few other things that happened during the game is if we were playing a better team, very good chance that we would have lost that game because the parts where Michigan got lucky on defense, there were times that they got beat in the secondary several times. And the only reason why it didn't, uh, turn into something worse was because the balls were overthrown. Yep. Dropped passes. <laughs> Preach, Caleb. <laughs> or there was also that one, it was an awesome play. It turned into an awesome defensive play, but yeah. it really was lucky because our defender, and I can't think of who it was off the top of my head, but got burned on the far side of the field. The receiver was way past him, and if that ball was thrown on target, that would have been a touchdown for Cincinnati. Easy touchdown. But yep. the defender just had enough room to reach and get the hand on the ball to tip it out of the way. Yeah, I think it might have been Watson or somebody. Yep. Yeah, I, I I didn't write down the name uh, when I was reviewing film, and yep. I forgot to do that. But, yeah, it, I mean, it was a great defense. It wound up being a great defensive play, but mm-hmm. he got beat. He did. And so and then if he got was, beat by like three more inches, that would have probably been a touchdown. Yeah. And then there was another long thrown ball right in the hand of the receivers, got beat again, right in his hands, over the back shoulder, throw right in his hands, and he dropped the ball. And you and I pointed out during this 
game. And this is the time I'm talking about that watching on TV and watching it live and watching the the players that are getting open against the secondary is amazing because we kept saying, oh, my gosh, they're open again. And you're right. We had there was times where the quarterback was overthrowing. He was either overthrowing them or, uh, yeah, Hayden Moore was overthrowing them or they were dropping passes <laughs> or catching. You know, they just weren't catching them. And we, you and I would literally look at each other and go, that was lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were so frustrated because we said, oh, that could have been a touchdown. That could have been a touchdown. That could have been another one. So, so with how Michigan performed last week against Florida, it was not out of question for us to imagine that they would easily and soundfully handle Cincinnati with the way our defense performed and it being a home game. They still did have good performances, talked about Bush already, um, and of course there was the great moment where Gary exploded on the field when they almost took him out of the game on some total crap that was going on. But uh, their players stepped up and did a good job, but there were places where we got exposed and we were just having problems. So a potential of why and how this is happening and something that has to be thought of or put out there and not forgotten is that this is a young team. Yep. They have not played a whole lot together. It was awesome and amazing to see how it went last week. This is game two. We were thinking that we would see a similar thing, if not more of an improvement, but we didn't. And Mm -hmm. some of that you real, you have to realize is just depending on the different situations you get put in as young players, both offense and defense. There's a lot of youth out there. And these are the, th- the reasons why people questions Mich- uh, Michigan's um, how uh, it, exactly how good they were, uh, their legitimacy as a great team because yep. of so much youth. And you saw it this weekend. Yeah, you did. And so, you're right. Watching Cannell and – you know, obviously Long having that, uh, or I mean, uh, LaVert Hill having two touchdowns on interceptions was great. I mean, Cannell played great, but then you're right. There are times, I call it off and on, they were either off or on. They were getting burned on secondary in some of those plays, or they were, they did great. And so the inconsistency is what you find in youth and rookies and our freshmen and when you see them play that's what you're going to find so yes you and i have definitely taken the youth into account and how these are young players their first time starters in the play this year you and i have done that so yeah now do you want to start the conversation on the offensive side of the ball yeah we're gonna have to yeah we're gonna have to do that so this is the ugly side <laughs> I have to say, but yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, given that, I mean, there's some good bright spots in this game and look, the segue between you talking about the youth and you and I were talking about this team is very youthful. There's a lot of things, um, happening here where there's a lot of growth spurts we saw it with even donovan people's jones and his jitter he was very jittery when he a lot of he didn't look like his he 
with himself on the special teams and catching the ball. And, you know, there's a lot of things that needs to get cleaned up. Uh, we saw that. Um, I think that's why he got pulled and Perry got put in. And just because he's youth. He's a young kid. He's going to get better at it. It's going to take some time. But the things that worry me most are the things I'm talking about, people that aren't youth. They're veterans. And I'm talking about this inconsistency that Wilton Spate um, seemed. I don't like talking about this because the very fact it's uncomfortable because there's a lot of Michigan uh, fans that are behind him, and there's a lot of Michigan fans that want him out of there, and they were booing him like you were talking about. He is not <laughs> – he is not a youthful player. He's a veteran, and he is literally playing. From you and I watching that game, and you'll back me up, he looked off. He looked kind of uh, nervous. In fact, he looked like his footwork wasn't very well. Um, he actually resorted to uh, nothing but check downs when you don't know what you want to do and you're worried and you just seem to be overthrowing players you 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 start going back to a vanilla offense a vanilla offense is using little check downs to your tight ends and things like that we saw that in the florida game what happened in the first half he had a really bad game a game up to that point and what happens in the second half you start throwing at the your tight ends and that's exactly what happened every all our receivers started doing little wheel routes and started doing quick uh, slants uh, the tight ends did. He started throwing to them more. And they were little five-yarders every time. So you saw literally the Cincinnati defense secondary move up. And that was tough to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right with how he was playing and everything on the field. It was like he was worried about getting sacked all the time, which was crazy because between last week and this week, Craig, you and I both thought that the pass blocking was improved and did a good job this week. It did well. I I'll tell you this, and I'll tell a lot of the Michigan fans. I counted almost every snap. There was about four seconds to every snap, which is quite a good time to throw that ball. Uh, he resorted to. There were wide open guys. You and I saw them. How many times did the fans point out that I don't think the TV saw? You and I pointed out there's two guys wide open that he didn't even see. Like, he he doesn't look down the field. He'll throw a long pass if he knows that's the only guy going down there. But there's three to four guys down there. He does not look down there. And you and I were literally pointing out there's two receivers wide open in the outfield, and he doesn't even see them. And he he'll throw in the dirt, or he's overthrowing them, and it's so frustrating to see that. Yeah, it's uh, he's not going. It appears like he's not going through his progressions. Exactly right, like you said. Yeah, yeah. and and so, uh, but that's the thing. He only got sacked one time in this game. Yeah, he probably got knocked down and rushed some other times, but he only got sacked one time. The offensive line was doing a good job with pass blocking. And he just did not look like he was going through his progressions. And that's the problem, too. And uh, it was great of you pointing out and everything is there is youth on the team, but Wilton Spate is not in that category. And so when you're at this stage and everything, you're just wishing and hoping for more from the person who is leading the team on the field. They need right. to be a game manager. They need to be able to handle these difficult situations. And it seems like, he can't, that he is not the most 
dependable player on the field. I do believe personally that he is still the best quarterback that Michigan currently has. I think Peter's still being built up and everything, but his yeah. huge issue is consistency. Yep. He can oh. throw the long ball. He can do dump off passes, but he is super inconsistent and ha- appearing, like I just said, to not go through his progression. So if he could just put it all together and be more consistent and more dependable, I think he would be fantastic and he would do a good job. And another thing that fans are having a difficult time with is that we all, this is the reason why so many people were having a hard time Saturday is that they know that basically it's almost like everything that the fans are looking for this year are beating Penn state, beating Ohio state, beating Wisconsin, beating Michigan state, beating the big teams like that, hopefully getting to the big 10 championship. And you cannot do that without a better court, uh, better performance at the quarterback position. Right. And you're right. And the offense stalled every time they kept coming out there. It literally looked like you and I said, wow, he's, we're literally talking about five yard passes. Yes. That's all they were. It was like five yard passes. And there's where a lot of the booze were coming from. We're talking about third and long and you and I would just sit there and go, wow, that, that route or whatever was meant for two yards, five yards, and hopingly you'd pick up another 10 yards on it. And it never happens. And I was going, the play calling wasn't very good. And I'll, I'll blame the coaches for that. And I'll even say that maybe the play calling has to do with the vanilla offense that they're giving Wilton Spate because Wilton Spate literally is having a tough time finding he's not passing past 20 yards down the field. So maybe they're doing that to make him that they don't trust him enough to throw the ball down the field. Like you said, I think I agree with you. I I'm at I'm stuck here because do I trust these coaches? I do. Do I trust that they can coach up any player? I do. Do I feel like the loyalty towards a player is might be overshadowing some things. Yeah, I'm starting to see that a little bit here. Do I think um, if Wilton Spate's the best, then those other two must be not very good. <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck. Like, what do, what do we do? You know, do you – let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question, Caleb, and this will be interesting. I heard this at halftime from a guy who's very knowledgeable about football. Do you think Wilton Spate has recovered from the sh- – shoulder injury that he had. I think so. Okay. I mean, with, with the way uh, that he was able to play, and I think it might be a mental thing. I think it's mental too. But, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, because he's shown that he can throw the passes. He threw two huge 55-yard passes last week against Florida. He threw the long ball to uh, for the touchdown this week as well. So he can do the long passes. I think a lot of it's mental. We were talking about how he appears that he's playing to be safe and not turn the ball over rather than actually trying yeah. to make a play, which that's another thing that's um, frustrating is because he's constantly doing the overthrowing, which it's one thing if you throw ahead of him, if you throw behind him, if you throw above him, if it's you know a mixture of things, I don't think everybody – I think there would, there would absolutely still be the 
same frustration, but maybe not to the same level because, you know, he's just off target. But when something is consistently being done wrong in the same way, he's throwing over their heads. Right. So it's and just. He's you not would, hitting them with numbers. Yeah. I mean, literally he had Don, people's Jones open and he literally is not. He, he didn't. He overthrew him. I mean, wide open. Right. I mean, and I'm like, how do you miss that? And he's not even aiming at the numbers. It's like, like you said, it really looks like that he's trying to avoid the pick six. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's a thing too, that you and I were talking about. And I know that you were more frustrated with this than I was about putting O'Cornet or Peters or somebody where it appeared last week that maybe that helped spate, you know, sitting down and, thinking about it and watching and just taking a break and that didn't happen sure maybe he got a break at halftime but he was still having some issues after that and I got frustrated with that as well where it's just like you tried it before it kind of helped out maybe do it again not saying that I'm thinking O'Corn is going to be better than Spate now but you need to shake things up a little bit take a break take a breather do something to rejuvenate things here, but yeah. you're just throwing the same thing back on the field over and over again. This, mm-hmm. The thing on the field that is inconsistency and these crazy play calls and locking in on specific players and not going through progressions and not being able to manage the game and get first downs when you need to get first downs to just put games away. Things that when you play better opponents are going to make you lose the game. Yep. So, I mean, and this is the thing, too, where it's not all on Wilton Spate, but it's just been uh, something that we saw some issues a little bit last year. But these two weeks, the beginning of the season, two weeks in a row seeing things, you know, people are people are talking about it. Yeah. And everybody and trust me, everybody at halftime, they don't trust Wilton Spate. Let's put it this way. I'm this is where we're at. When we get to playing, uh, let's say, Michigan State or any of those teams, we need to be a team where, let's say, the defense isn't pulling their weight as much as they should. Do we have a quarterback that we can trust to win the ball game for us on his arm? Take, for instance, take Baker Mayfield from uh, Oklahoma watching that game last night. It was amazing to watch him. He literally put Oklahoma on his shoulders, and he said, I'm going to win this game for us, and he did. I mean, he was amazing watching this. But that's what I'm talking about. Are we? Does Michigan fan base trust Will to win a game for us on his own at times? There will be a games that maybe he's going to have to do that. To me, I say no, he's not. I don't see it yet. It might happen. I mean, I'm going to give the staff more time to – work on him but you know i see i'm seeing a lot of people say well he's got some things to fix and you know we got to trust the staff and i'm like but the guy's a veteran he's a senior and we're still fixing things we're still trying to work on things and i'm worried that this bait reached his peak you know and that might be a question for you is 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 this what we're going to have from spate and he's not going to get any better because a lot of people are still hoping he's going to get better or has he reached his peak? I don't know. Or is he digressing? 
I think he might be digressing a little bit because I feel like he was performing better last year. I, I mean, agree. Yep. Yeah, there are questions here. And I mean, I know the comparison that you were making and everything, but you were also you're also comparing Wilton Spate, who right. we're trying to get a good quarterback in strong, solid, good quarterback in, and you're comparing him to, you know, a Heisman candidate. So right. it's, it's it, yeah, that, I understand, yeah. I understand how you're using it, but right. the, but that's the thing to go back to something that you said before is just like, we're Michigan. We have good quarterbacks. We're supposed to have good quarterbacks on the field. And yeah, yeah Spate is good, but good quarterbacks hit players when they're open. Yeah, well, right, exactly. So, and, and yes, they are going to miss some. Yes, they are not going to be perfect. I mean, great quarterbacks, amazing quarterbacks are Baker Mayfield. But right. then there are great quarterbacks who who still hit wide open receivers, who don't overthrow as often as we've seen so far. Um, but you know, good ones at least are able to hit wide open players. Right. So that's yeah. partially where the frustration gets uh, comes from. But then it gets even more frustrating as Saturday night comes to an end because we saw Oklahoma beat Ohio State, and we saw how vulnerable their secondary is because of the pass game from Oklahoma. Exactly. And we're exactly. that is what that is probably the biggest thing that Michigan fans are hopeful for. I'm not saying that nothing else matters, but that's the biggest thing that Michigan fans are hopeful for this season is beating Ohio State, especially being a home game. Forget youth. You know, we still have the opportunity to do that. But with how the past game has been, You're right. it, it almost feels hopeless. And I well, know that's right. really early yeah. to say that, and it's really rough yeah. to say that, but that's what some people are feeling like because that should be improving from last year because we finally have a returning quarterback. Yeah, you've got Oklahoma or you got Ohio State right now seems to be ranked 109th in the passing defense. Their secondary just isn't clicking. I mean, 109th for Ohio State to be that good and their defense supposed to be that good. And yet they're giving up that many points through the air. That tells you something. And you're right. And I look at that and I go, wow, that's prime pickings for Wilton Spade to go. We're going to, you know, um, put the game on me. I'm going to throw and get some, you know, we're going to move this ball through the air because they're vulnerable. But no, I mean, this is <laughs> this is tough to watch because I don't see the offense clicking. They're very, I don't trust them that very much to move the ball down the field. Now, you know, I don't know if you want to segue into the running game and how that, that works on Ty Isaac. That's the bright spot in this offense and watching him run and him being the feature back over Evans and, you know, where's Evans role in all this game? You know, it's pretty amazing to watch Isaac run and do so well. Yeah. We'll go ahead and make that turn to more of the positive things. Well, actually real quick, one more negative thing. (laughs) Sorry. Negative, (laughs) negative Nancy here. Um, (laughs) But we talked about the offensive line doing a really good job with pass blocking, and it was odd this week to see them, because of their performance last week, to appear to struggle with run blocking. I know that the box got crowded. Cincinnati was doing different things like that. But still, 
uh, to see the offensive line struggle more with run blocking than it did last week. That was kind of interesting to see. Wanted to point that out. Good pass blocking this week, not as good run blocking. But on to the good side of things, like you said, Ty Isaac, awesome, amazing, great feature back. I apologized to him on Twitter. Actually, I didn't really tag him, but I apologized saying when he had that huge run uh, in the second half of the game and Michigan only was able to come up with three points because he is putting his all into everything. He's doing a fantastic job. And to see that great run that he did wind up only being three points was very disappointing. I'm going to go through a quick rundown of good things I saw. I'll hand it over to you to add some of your thoughts on the good things real quick because we are going to be pushing time here in a little bit. Uh, Other good things, obvious uh, Crawford had some good uh, with the uh, passing game as well as uh, Perry kind of coming into his own, doing a good job. And the defense, yes, maybe not performed at the highest level as we thought going against an opponent like Cincinnati, but it was still a good defensive effort. Two quarters shutting out the other team. Uh, the one, one of the touchdowns came on a short field, so really only allowing the team to go one time all the way down the field to score relative good performance. So still good things to be able to mention. Craig, some good things that you wanted to mention? Yeah. Um, first half, great uh, great performance by Kali Cutson. He had, um, I think, two sacks in that game. I think we had four sacks overall during the whole thing. But uh, Devin Bush with five tackles, I think, in the halftime. And he was all over the field. So Kali Cutson, Devin Bush really played out of their minds. Um, Quentin Norton. Uh, money, making all the field goals, doing well. I mean, he didn't do much. A little worried about the punting. The punting was really bad. Like you're, I was talking about special teams, really took a hit. A lot of shanked punts on that game. So it wasn't always Wilton's fault. There's a lot of other things in this. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I'm I'm just absolutely floored by the way Ty Isaac's running. He's just running with some determination, uh, heart, and um, he's just he's he's running mad, and I love it. And and I like I love seeing Perry out there. He is solid. I think Wilton Spate, in order to get better, needs to start targeting that guy. He's got the best hands in football. It's good to see him get a touchdown. And um, it was great to see Gentry too. Big tall guy. First, uh, I think one of his first catches in the game, but. Um, and um, to use that big of a target, you, you know, need to get him out there and maybe use him a little bit. If you're having a hard time getting the ball down the field, maybe start using your tight ends a little bit more. Yeah, I, I've liked how the tight ends have performed and uh, Bikian doing well also. Something I wanted to mention real quick because I had written down and I forgot to mention it earlier is Crawford. There were two fumbles. One of them I was able to go back and find easily and kind of watch a couple times and everything. And I know that people get were getting really upset with Spate and putting it on Spate. One of them was with Crawford, and I can't remember who the other player were. But you also have to remember, you know, in those situations, there are two players involved in handing the ball off. And yeah. so yeah. the quarterback has to hand it off properly, and the running back or the other player has to grab it 
correctly and hold on to it. So I think there's a very good chance that at least one of those was not Spate's fault. Possibly both of them. Keep that in mind, even though it looks a lot to put directly on the quarterback because it is handoff. Remember, especially one of them was a sweep. So right. with that, the player's running full blast and putting the ball out there and everything, and the player hits it and doesn't secure his hands on the ball before the or during the exchange, the ball comes popping out. So some some to think about there. Reminds me of Florida game where one was his fault, the other one wasn't. <laughs> and we had one where Wilton Spate, it was his fault, and he grabbed it, and he literally tried to hand it off with one hand, and it slipped right out of his hand. So that was his fault. But, uh, yeah, and that led to uh, TD. So, yeah, little things like that it just seemed to get him. And Now, here's – oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you finish the thought. Leads to, leads to points. It leads to, you know, these, these points that don't need to be happening uh, with us, so. Yeah, well, staying on the spate talk real quick and trying to wrap things up here as quickly as possible. You brought up issues with special teams this year, and that made me think of something that I haven't thought of yet. But do you think that's possible that spate is struggling more this year or appears to be struggling more this year and might not perform as well last year because there's a key player that they're missing and it's not even a full offensive player? but because of Peppers being gone. Because the big part Peppers did was he shortened that field every game with punt returns. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, he did. Anytime they punt to him, he got great yardage. He got us in great field position. And I'm so, very, I'm very interested to find out how far Spate had to take the team. Now, there were definite times where Spate took the team the full length of the field. But yeah. I'm wondering if he showed more... Um, Oh, come on. What's the word I'm looking for? More accomplished more on short fields than right. on the longer field situation, because that looks like what we're going to be facing this year is uh, a longer field to go down and to finish for the offense because we're missing peppers and the special teams is obviously not going to be performing the same. That's something interesting to think about. Right. No, that's a great point. That's something I'm going to start looking for, Caleb, after you mentioned it. That that's um, One thing I actually am going to mention that, that to piggyback off what you said is maybe a lot of Michigan fans need to look at this is I noticed Wilton Spate seems to be either uh, kind of similar to Devin Gardner trying to make the big play and, and or the shortened field. Like there's no middle ground with him. There's yeah. no middle fields, 10, 20 yard passes. He's either five yard check downs or the big bomb to the end zone. And I'm wondering if he's forgotten that, or he's a little bit scared of those, like you said, pick sixes that he often does overthrows them and they just don't result into anything. Like he's not comfortable at throwing the middle ground at 20 yards at 25 yards. He seems to like to throw the bombs, but yet, you know, you can't do that all the time. You know, are you going to be able to move that ball down the field or he's doing these little two-yard, five-yard check-down passes, and that worries me. Yeah, something interesting to think about with you saying it that way is with the short passes, usually what you see the worst come from that is you derf it into the ground or they miss it and it falls to the ground. With the right. deep passes, if you overthrow – you know, no big deal. It's hard to connect on some of those deep passes. So it's those middle passes 
that you probably see more of those pick sixes on. And so that's where his problem is because he throws it high up. You got, you get it higher up, you get it high, um, maybe a higher arc or the pass is just going faster. And so if it's off, if it gets tipped, if it goes over, which is more likely the further you throw it down the field, there's that secondary right back there that you have those safeties back there. Somebody, somebody can get a hand on it and can pick it off. So if you just go short or long, you eliminate a lot of that possibility. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, not, now that you mentioned peppers, that's a really good point. And so, and that made me think about, you know, he seems to be doing the home run or, you know, little dump passes to get, you know, move the ball and a lot of times taken up doing that. But, um, you know, there you go. Yep. There you go. All right. We will go ahead and transition here, running long on time, do a quick uh, few things here with closing thoughts. So don't go anywhere. Okay, so closing thoughts quickly to try to wrap things up. Locker dump. We had more than nine sacks way off because there were only four, but we thought there would be more because we weren't playing Florida. Um, You got that right by dumping it, Craig. I locked that in. Multiple running backs with more than 100 rushing yards. That was incorrect. Isaac performing well once again, but the next closest one was Donovan Peoples-Jones with 44 yards. Yeah. yeah, we both locked that and flat fell or fell flat on our face. Uh, Michigan defense will not allow 100 rushing or 100 passing yards. That was incorrect. It was 200 total yards, but they got 132 passing yards. You locked it. I dumped it because I thought garbage time might come into it. Uh, but right. really, honestly, that whole game appeared to be garbage time and did not go well. Um, the game wound up being even, scoring a total of 50 points, and Michigan did not cover the 34.5-point spread. Nope. And if, as always, if you guys want to contact us, email us, bluebrotherssportscast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at bluebros underscore Caleb or underscore Craig. Voicemail is 551-258-3276. Easy to remember, that is 551 551- blue bro thanks again kirby for the voicemail and one thing i want to say before we end is i still need to give you crap craig because you steal my tweets <laughs> i get bitter about this come on dude you're sitting right next to me at the game and you're sitting there stealing my tweets yeah uh, well it was it, it was something original <laughs> I'm just gonna. I, I I threatened you on Twitter, man. I'm just gonna use the mute button, or uh, somebody suggested using the wrong buzzer. Yeah, I know. So better watch yeah. yourself. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yep. <laughs> trying to trying to get that. Uh, trying to claim it. Yeah, no, that was pretty good. We were both talking about it, and so one of us yeah. tweeted out before the other. But always good times. It was good time at the game. Rough it game. Time. But it'll be good, and we're anticipating being there again this weekend. We'll let you guys more in our preview episode for the Air Force game. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, we hope that you guys had a good weekend. 
getting back here at work, and hopefully it's a quick week to get back to more Michigan football. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, go Blue. Go Blue.